As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. It's Straight out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. On this episode... Wins, goals, glee, the long-anticipated misery-free edition. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight Up The Table. Well, isn't it nice to bounce into a day, hey, listener? It's been a while since we've done it. Back-to-back wins for the men. The women ending their opening day hoodoo. Suddenly things feeling a little bit rosier in the Chelsea Garden. We're here to discuss the Fulham game, the win against Spurs, plenty of other stuff too. We're going to hear from Levi Colwell. It's me, Matt Davis-Adams. I am joined by two of the Athletics finest who both had their Lindahl's protein pudding before we get going today. How are you doing, Liam Toomey? I'm good. I'm reveling in this new sponsor bounce. <laughs> uh, yeah, we are infinite athletes. And as we'll hear, that's all it took for Chelsea to get back in the goals. Simon Johnson, fresh from Craven Cottage. Must have been nice to to not have to wonder about what aspect of Chelsea not quite firing you were going to write about. You, you had a pick of positive subjects. I'm just dizzy. <laughs> D- dizzy at the at seeing Chelsea in 11th as well. It seems mostly high. Top of the table, top half of the table at least. Here we come, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> All right, let's get into Fulham versus Chelsea then. Went down on Monday night. Chelsea just trying to work their way forward with a bit of patience. Now they clip it out wide towards Levi Colwell. Down that left-hand side, he's danced onto it. Mudrick making a run ahead of him into the penalty area. Here is Mudrick! It's 1-0 Chelsea! Chelsea have won it back. Here's Palmer, edge of the penalty area. Slipping it forward to Brozier, and it's 2-0! Unbelievable stuff. Two goals in two minutes. Armando Brozier proving that the manager's got the selection right. Too many positives in. So happy, so happy. But now it's about to uh, be ruthless and keep working really hard and trying to find better uh, position, better solution and giving to the team more tools to, to performance in the, for the future. Hi, Chelsea fans. Uh, love to see you today in the game. And I really appreciate uh, your support. Like always, doesn't matter uh, we win or lose, you're always with us, and uh, we all uh, very appreciate it. And uh, thank you for coming today on the stadium, and see you soon. 
Well, Lucy and Simon were at Craven Cottage. Lucy got so giddy at seeing Chelsea win. She pretended Crystal Palace had played in an FA Cup final. Um, Dom's not here, Lucy, so there's no need to try and butter him up. Let's hear producer and journalist revelling, shall we? Well, producer Lucy here, here at Craven Cottage, and I've witnessed history for the first time since the FA Cup final against Crystal Palace forever ago. I have seen Chelsea win a match in person. It was quite emotional, Simon. Mikhailo Mudrik scoring his first goal. You wait 303 Premier League minutes, and then you get two in 82 seconds. Can we please have your match report? I'd like to uh, credit Infinite Athlete for this dramatic turnaround. Clearly, they didn't just invest over £40 million to uh, sponsor the shirt. They've also brought the goal-scoring touch, much-needed goal-scoring touch to this club. But... No, it was, it was weirdly comfortable. I thought inevitably second half, um, Chelsea weren't as good because Midrick had gone off. That, that's the concern, of course, that with every positive at Chelsea, there comes a negative soon after, and it usually involves an injury. We don't know yet. We haven't heard Pochettino uh, as we're talking, but you know, you only take him off, surely, if he's felt something. And then Casado, of course, he, he, he's just gone off with strapping on his left knee. Uh, it seemed like he was trying to get injured about three or four times in the second half. It happened more than once he went down in agony. But look, it's, it's such an important win just to breed a bit of confidence, follows off the back of Brighton. There was some lovely football, Cole Palmer, his first Premier League start for Chelsea. And he looked very, very good out there. And he's already sort of going, when he was first signed, a lot of people said, why? I think we, we saw a reason why uh, this evening. Um, I, I just want to give a shout out that Hugh Grant, with about 12 minutes to go, he's not a real football fan because he walked off in disgust. I think he's seen enough with Fulham. He just went, they're never going to score. And he just walked off. And it's just like, well, perhaps he's got a, a, an audition in the morning. I don't know. But it was, it was good. It's good that Chelsea are winning again. And some beautiful moments you don't necessarily catch on the TV screens if you're not here. When Mudrick scored the hug between Enzo Fernandez yes. and Caicedo, I always had tears in my eyes. And the team talk, pep talk that Pochettino was giving to Cole Palmer on the way off, you could tell he was absolutely delighted with what he'd seen in that first half. There yeah. are finally reasons it feels like to actually be positive. It wasn't just that Brighton result wasn't just a flash in the pan. We were seeing things now. Just remember who you're talking to, Lucy, right? <laughs> Yes, no, you're right. There, there, were, there were things to be positive about, the first half in particular, um, the way that the midfield was working together, um, Fernandez, Gallagher um, and Cole Palmer, although he was playing in the right, but he was cutting in a lot and, and drifting into space. Yeah, Mudrick, he's been taking steps and, and you just hope that it was just a precautionary withdrawal because just when he's getting a run of starts took the goal very well Levi Colwell funny enough when he was bombing down the left there I was about to make a, a bit of a sarcastic comment that he's not exactly known for his left wing back abilities and then he puts in the most beautiful pass I mean no one can doubt his ability passing the ball but he's not really known for whipping them in from the flank but that was a perfectly weighted ball Mudrick you wouldn't have known he hadn't scored in the Premier League before the way he took it brilliantly and Broya yeah, you've got to be happy with for him hasn't scored for a year because he hasn't been around for a year and I was a bit surprised he started because he's barely played but you wouldn't have known it to be honest he's, he, he looked really good and I think he came off just after the hour mark because not because of an injury but because just to inevitably touch on the fact that he's barely played and they don't want to 
burn him out straight away. But that's a really good thing because if Broya is a genuine choice up front, it means suddenly Jackson, the, the weight's not all on his shoulders and Pochettino can rotate them or, or whatever, how he sees fit, or take one off, bring the other one on. Suddenly there's a few options. But again, it just depends on this, this injury list as well and hopefully it's not been added to. By the time you listen to this on Tuesday evening, let's hope it's not an ACL for Mikhailo Madrick. Uh, <laughs> signing off, positively, produced Lucien Simon from Craven Cottage. It is back to you, Matt. Thank you very much. Um, I think that's probably the only mention Hugh Grant will get in a voice note this season, um, but we'll we'll see about that. But before we hear from Levi Colwell, Liam, let's get your take on the game. Uh, Chelsea with those two goals in, in 82 seconds, and, and that's kind of what we've been craving, right? An early chance to have been taken, and, and that changes everything around the game. Yeah, I was waiting to see how many London bus references were going to be made. Did one in commentary, I'll confess, yeah. Online and in copy um, <laughs> when Chelsea got those two in quick succession. But I, I felt from the opening minutes of the game, they were playing really well. And I, I, I tweeted uh, probably one of the most insightful tweets that I've posted in a long time early in the game. Chelsea are doing lots of nice things. More <laughs> on this as I get it. Um, because they, they just were. They were moving the ball around really well. I thought the midfield in particular was probably the best it's looked this season. The balance of it with Caicedo usually deepest, Enzo kind of moving around the middle third and Gallagher operating a bit higher up the pitch where his his pressure could force turnovers and make good things happen. There was plenty of fluidity within that. I think they all took up really intelligent positions to to receive the ball. They were all really sharp when they got the ball. And then in front of them, you had... Mudrick building on, I think, the, the flashes that we've seen of him in recent weeks. Cole Palmer on his first Premier League start looking really, really good and, and delivering, I think, on everything that he'd shown in more limited minutes in terms of picking the ball up between the lines, making good decisions, finding good passes. And Armando Breuer showing, I think, a lot more sharpness than I would have expected him to after so long out. I... I I posted before the game. I'm not I'm not going to reference all of my tweets, Matt, <laughs> but I did post before the game that I, I thought it was going to be unlikely, really, for him to significantly impact the game. I think it would have been unreasonable to expect it, but he did. He had that horrible miss in the first minute. He didn't let that get him down and then got a bit of luck with his goal. But I think overall, he was he was probably the biggest single positive of that game and well worth being a certain athletic colleague's match piece. Yeah, I mean, great performances from 1 to 11 or 1 to 26 if we're, if we're being squad number E. Um, Simon, kind of globally, did you think this was Chelsea's best performance as a team of this season, given in, in mind what's come before, who they were playing, etc.? No, I'm not sure of because I still think Liverpool, given the standard of opposition and given how good Liverpool have been since then I know Chelsea didn't win that game but I, I still think that the standard opposition has to be taken into account but certainly it's very close to that partly because they won <laughs> which helps but it, it was a genuinely certainly first half I think second half it wasn't as good understandably so because partly because Madrid unfortunately had to go off 
and that sort of reduced Chelsea's threat as well as as, as Matson sort of tried. You could tell Fulham suddenly didn't have this incredibly fast man to worry about anymore who really hugged the touchline for the majority of that first half, of course, not for the goal. And that was partly why that goal was, was so beautiful, the, the, the run he made. But it, he really gave Fulham concerns and, and I think is why they, they couldn't press too convincingly because they were so worried about what Madrid would do to them if if he got the ball. But I did enjoy the football that's been played. My our Fulham colleague, Peter Rutzler, was, was sitting next to me and he was bemused. He was going, he was saying to me, he was going, hang on, oh, I thought Chelsea were rubbish, you know, sort of thing. And I went, well, no, I, I don't think the points, don't want to sound like Pochettino here, but I don't think the amount of points does reflect how Chelsea have played. They've not been as bad as the points tally suggests. And also he said, um, he said, oh, they seem to be beating the press every time. Whether you could call Fulham's, what Fulham were doing a press, it wasn't the most convincing press in the world, but they were playing through the lines on a consistent basis. Enzo, uh, Casado, Palmer, etc. They're, they're always finding an avenue around Fulham's players. And yes, you could you could sort of question if Fulham were top-class team and all that, but I do remember Fulham, uh, not so much at Craven Cottage, but at Stamford Bridge last season, making life really difficult for Chelsea to play through them. So I do think I do think Chelsea deserve credit, especially as we've spent the majority of the last six weeks hammering them. So when they do have a good performance and a good result, I don't think we should focus, although I have done a little bit, I don't think we should focus too much on the limitations of the opponents and just uh, enjoy the refreshing change. Bit like the paint on my wall, Matt. That's going on as we speak. New, new gloss of paint. It's the start of a new era. Yeah, and Mikhail Mudrik, very much the exemplar of that on Monday night. We asked for your thoughts on Twitter at So Cobham Pod, the place to give us them. Here's Malachi, who says, "So happy for Mudrik. I can't fathom how what's happening in Ukraine has impacted his start to life at Chelsea. I hope he keeps getting the chances, the patience, and love from fans as his smile after scoring and the team unity was great to see." And um, well, let's hear about Mikhailo Mudrik, about Armando Breuer, Cole Palmer and more from Levi Colwell. Simon was part of the mix zone that spoke to him and this is what Levi had to say. Yeah, it's amazing. I was so happy. Um, I think you've seen the celebrations after. I was so happy for him. Luckily, well, the pass was lucky anyway. I don't know how I found him. I couldn't do it again, but um, yeah, I'm over the move for him. You know, he's a great player. Um, he can be one of the best in the world. And it's just to, to kick on from here, kick on from here and hopefully he can just build on and, you know, it'd be... Yeah, well, you obviously see him a lot more than we do in terms of what he does in training. Like, I mean, yeah. Is that the kind of stuff that he does all the time in training? It seems like he's really rated by you guys and we haven't seen him do it on a regular basis yet. Yeah, well, I think um, obviously it's been it's been tough for him since he's joined, 100%. But like I said, the first half today, he was amazing. So I think everyone can see the qualities he has. And like you said, we see it all the time in training. He's, he's such a good player. And to come here and bring it here for the first half, he was amazing. And like I said, he's got to build on from it. How significant is it, Levi, that Armando's also back and yeah. scoring as well? Yeah, man, I'm so happy for him. Um, you know, it's been a long time he's been out injured. Um, he's obviously came back, he's been working so hard. And to come in today and score, it's the best way to come back. And, and does it sort of, because obviously Nicholas has been carrying all the 
all the pressure, all the scrutiny of being a striker. Now you've, now you've got Amondo there as well. It, it, it will help potentially both of them out to, to have two options. A hundred percent. You know they're both great strikers, so to have that battle day in day out for the starting position is going to be good for both of them. They're both going to learn, and when they come on the pitch, they've got to take their chances. You know it's been a been a change um, with like new players coming in, players leaving. Um, so we're going to have to adapt to each other and get used to each other in the day. Um, which we have obviously Cole's a marvellous player and today you see that and, and last game against Brighton um, so you know to have these players competing every day it's just so good for the team so good for the environment um, it's a good battle uh, Congratulations Levi for using the word marvellous not enough 20 year olds doing that in my opinion um, it goes off at half time then Simon um, Karen's asking how is he uh, we're told it's a quad injury is that, is that code for his Bum? He's hurt his bum, has he? <laughs> I don't know what the code for that is, but um, no, I mean, I, I saw uh, it was a surprise. You know, there was a, because normally when a player goes off injured, there's some hint of it beforehand. I certainly didn't see him in, in too much distress. And and having watched some of it back when I got home, there was a clip just at half time, and you just see him walking completely fine off the pitch. So I'd like to think it's, it was more precautionary um, that it wasn't too serious. The Pochettino is instantly thinking, right, two nil up, you know, let, let's not risk it. And that he will be involved in Burnley because I think um, I kind of forget what I, I said to Lucy post-match, but um, having start getting a run of starts, I, I just think it's so important that he continues this momentum. It's one of the reasons why, when we did a, a Madrid piece recently, whilst there was cause for alarm, you didn't want to go in too strong on him because I did sort of think there is this player in there and we're starting to see in little bits and pieces that confidence starting to flow and and come out of him, come out of his game. And I think that goal is, is it deserves a lot more credit. It's actually a beautiful goal. Playing out from the back, Casado, lovely ball. I remember... Levi Colwell just sort of joking with Pete, going, he's not a left wing back. What's he doing there? Sublime pass and an incredible finish. And yeah, you just want to see him see him at Burnley, don't you, to continue this momentum he's on. Yeah, it was the first time he'd started four successive games uh, for Chelsea. Caicedo as well goes off injured, told it's a contusion, which is football speak for Bruce. Uh, John, echoing what Lucy said in the voice note, the clip of Enzo and Caicedo celebrating after Mudrick's goal was so wholesome and perfect. Feels like the start of real chemistry. Uh, hopefully so. Uh, Liam, one player we haven't mentioned, you got the man of the match and a lot of love from Frank Lampard in the Sky Studio, was Connor Gallagher. He's the new Mason Mount, isn't he? And that he's divisive on Chelsea Twitter, but he is a key part of Maurizio Pochettino's Chelsea. Yeah, it's been really striking how prominent Pochettino has made him in this team. Not only is he starting every game, but he's now captain with Rhys James and Ben Chilwell sidelined. I think he's been excellent and he's actually improved week on week. And given the fact that he's played a variety of different midfield roles, even in this handful of games, I think Gallagher's really showing how rounded his skill set is. And the thing that really impressed me uh, against Fulham was the thing that he's often criticised for, which is uh, his his technique in tight spaces and his touch. And I, I thought his touch was so assured 
against Fulham. He was so aware of what was around him. There were a couple of times where players were trying to press him from behind and he just effortlessly shifted the ball away from them or jinked around them uh, as he received a pass. He picked really intelligent positions to receive the ball. And that, that goes back to what I was saying before. It wasn't just him. It, it was Caicedo, Enzo doing that. Cole Palmer was really good at it. But the point is that Gallagher didn't look out of place. And I think a lot of... There have been quite a few Chelsea fans ever since he started playing for Chelsea who have felt that Gallagher does look out of place technically in this team. And I I, I don't think that's... Um, it may have been true once. Uh, that's open for debate. But I, I don't think it's true right now. I think he's made really big technical strides. Uh, he's a really smart player. And he still retains the ability to do the things that he's always been able to do, which is to make good things happen with his hustle and his intelligence. Uh, he he can make a one-man press work and actually turn the ball over when most players wouldn't and you shouldn't really be able to. And there were a couple of incidents of that in the second half. So I, I think he's he's becoming a really valuable player for Chelsea. And we'll see what that means, what that counts for in January when the transfer window opens again. Uh, with his contract situation as it is. But right now, Conor Gallagher is is one of Chelsea's best performers and absolutely deserves to be in this team. The Mount comparison, Simon, is a bit of a lazy one in, in as much as they're both midfielders, they're both graduated through the Chelsea Academy. But it strikes me that he's got the same kind of football brain that Mount has in that he's a, quite a coachable player and that he understands roles and responsibilities on the pitch and that doesn't always manifest itself in particularly flashy play but you can see that, that it's something that managers whether that be Gareth Southgate in, in Mount's case or Maurizio Pochettino in Gallagher's case that they find that kind of thing invaluable right? Yeah and uh, the, the quality that he actually cares and that's what Lampard was saying on Sky wasn't it that it, the levels that he trains at and the impact that has on other players yeah, and, and this is why you have to be really careful with this selling the the family China transfer policy. Of it's already well selling players to to help with FFP, but what do you lose if you sell too many academy products that are talented anyway, but get the club and care about the club and want to do well for the club, want to give their all for the club, can tell new arrivals about the club. I mean, Gallagher and his family, the Chelsea diehards, they want this to work more than anyone. And you can see that with the way that Connor plays. Yeah, sometimes it's almost like he cares too much. I've always felt that since he's he's been promoted to the first team, that sometimes his desire to, to make an impact, to, to do something, has perhaps led to him trying too much and, 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 and running around too much. But I think he's... You can tell he's he's getting more and more comfortable wearing a Chelsea shirt and the responsibility that comes with it. And I think this is very similar to the Mason Mount, Frank Lampard kind of relationship where Frank would, would pick Mason Mount and there'd be these accusations of you know, the unflattering sort of talk of, oh, is he Lampard's son kind of thing. I think it's very significant that Pochettino, yes, there are a few injuries, but Pochettino is making it very clear to everyone that he loves Conor Gallagher. And by giving him the captaincy as well, 
over some very big names is sending a statement out to not just the Chelsea fans, but perhaps the Chelsea owners too. Everything that Simon says about Gallagher's connection to Chelsea, that that's always been true. And we know that that alone isn't enough for him to be a long-term Chelsea player. Quality has to be the number one priority always when you talk about who starts in a team that's looking to compete for the Premier League and Champions League. But where I think this conversation is shifting is that Gallagher is increasingly showing the quality as well as all those other things that merits being in this team and being a valuable part of this team on a regular basis. You know, that there's a couple of comparisons that come to mind. The one that came to mind watching him last night was not a Chelsea comparison. It was Jordan Henderson. Someone who went to Liverpool was a very, a relatively unheralded signing and was constantly underrated in terms of his technical ability. He was kind of prized for his hustle stats and all these other things, but steadily and incrementally improved throughout his career and ended up being a leader and a Champions League winning captain. And that was also true of Lampard once upon a time as well. You know, when the Abramovich takeover happened, he was challenged by all these new signings to up his game. And it feels like Gallagher's been placed in a similar situation by Chelsea's mass recruitment, particularly in midfield over the last couple of months. And he's responded in the best way possible. And it seems to have elevated his game. We'll see if it continues. But right now, I think all the signs are very positive for him. A couple more things before we move on from Fulham. Uh, Andrew says, second half as we ran out of players was so ugly, Jose would frame it and put it on his wall. But the first half was beautiful. Uh, Enjoyed that. And Akeo Mbokwa, apologies if I've got that wrong, uh, asks, will Ian Matson ever play at left-back for Chelsea? Does he actually enjoy playing further forward or is it just another case of being grateful to rack up any form of minutes? So, Simon, he comes on for, for Mudrick at half-time. The role that he played, that kind of left-side midfield role, not that dissimilar to where he played for Burnley last season, right? And actually probably the most natural position that we've seen him play for Chelsea this season, certainly more natural than than playing in the number 10 role. How's he done for you in these few cameos we've seen from him? I like him. He just seems very, very comfortable doesn't seem to be phased by suddenly going up a few rungs in the... Like we can all argue how good Chelsea are, given the struggles they've had. But in terms of scrutiny, to go from playing for Burnley to Chelsea is a different different stratosphere. And he, he just... He always... Every time he's on the pitch, he always does something that makes you think, yeah, he's got something, this kid. And... Very unfortunate with the the shot that hits the post. I mean, technically wise, it was superb. Opened his body up, lovely shot. Keeper had no chance, and it's just a shame it didn't end up in the top corner rather than coming off the woodwork. But um, again, like Gallagher, you just because there's a lot of as, as Liam wrote recently, there's about the two of them. You know, there's 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 question marks over his future too. I'd be very loath to lose Ian Matson. I think he's the kind of player that that could come back to, to haunt you and sort of go, why did we let him go? All right. Well, we'll see if he gets a reunion with Burnley at the weekend. We'll look ahead to that game in uh, Thursday pod. Next today, though, we're going to talk about the other Chelsea winners this weekend. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. 
Head over to MichelobeUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Got it back from Sophie Ingram. Got a cross in as well. It was a perfect one for Mia Fischel. What a debut. James into Fischel. Fischel shot beaten away by the goalkeeper. There's Canarin. Oh, it's surely going to be a goal. That looks over the line. Brighton celebrating. The play's going on. It's clipped back in toward Lauren James and she's going to score anyway. And now it doesn't matter whether the initial effort was over the line or not because Lauren James is often running for the season. So Chelsea got their WSL title defence off to a winning start on Sunday. They beat Spurs 2-1 at Stamford Bridge. Goals in either half from debutante and Chelsea fan Mia Fischel and non-debutante and Chelsea fan Lauren James did the damage here. Martha Thomas replied for Spurs after a Musevich error. Uh, but it didn't matter. Um, Liam, the key thing is is to end the opening day hoodoo, right? It doesn't matter how you win, as long as you win on opening day. And with Arsenal getting beaten by Liverpool as well, actually turned into a brilliant day for, for Emma Hayes and Co. Yeah, it's kind of ominous for the rest of the division because in the last few years, Chelsea have grown accustomed to playing catch-up after early season stumbles. So for them to already have an advantage over Arsenal and to get off to a faultless start, albeit with quite a hard-fought win over Spurs, I think is a, is a real positive. So it was kind of a, a fluid formation. I, I was at this game covering it for Chelsea. It was a, like a three at the back that turned into a four out of possession. Miel de Bright, Carter and Neve Child, who was absolutely incredible. Two brilliant assists from her. Um, there was a potential controversial moment just before the 2-0 goal Guro right and had the ball over the line she went off celebrating but the ref played on they hadn't seen that it crossed the line luckily Lauren James scored seconds later makes you wonder why they didn't turn on the goal line uh, technology um, we had a minute silence before the game in memory of Maddie Cusack the former Sheffield United player uh, who died last week it was particularly emotional for Emma Hayes because she announced that her father had, had passed away uh, last week too and, and you could see that emotion Simon at the end of the game when the Chelsea players 
presented her with a shirt with her with her dad's name on it on the pitch and one of those things that was sort of poignant and upsetting but also pointed to to the unity that that Chelsea women have yeah and uh, it was really emphasized to me back in the last week they were all you'd like to think we're all close to our dads right but it it was it was really emphasized that they were really 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 close and that it hit her really hard so uh, it's a really nice touch i thought it it helped that they won the game as well but it was a, it was a really nice touch for them to present it was papa 82 i think wasn't it i think that 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 meant the world you could tell and and understandably there were tears and and so on but um not that a game of football can uh, make amends for such such a horrible personal um, moment but you could tell being around Chelsea family was helping her to a degree and also she had the the nice nice thing earlier uh, this week of course the other day of being inducted into the it was the Football Hall of Fame, wasn't it? Along with Ian Wright. So it, what an incredible array of emotions that uh, Emma Hayes has gone through. But it's an honour that she thoroughly deserves, that the impact she's made on women's football and football, <laughs> forget the gender here, just football in general. Yeah, she's, she's, a, she's a real leader. And that's why Chelsea wins so many titles, because the players are inspired by her. Just from the Chelsea point of view, Matt, I wanted to ask you, what were your first impressions of Mia Fischel? How do you think she's working with Lauren James and how does that dynamic work when Sam Kerr is on the pitch as well? Yeah, look, really, really promising in terms of link up between those two. Fischel kind of a little bit isolated at times in the first half, but took a goal really nicely. You can tell she's a player who's used to scoring. You, know, you see that with Sam Kerr when the chance comes away, she's going to put it away. And Chelsea nearly scored three or four beautiful goals right at the start of the second half. And and James and Fischel were, were central to that. Um, Sioka Nuskin also really impressive on her debut. I think she's going to make a big difference to this team. Um, in terms of Kerr, expecting her to be back potentially for Manchester City next week, Erin Cuthbert too. So Chelsea adding a bit of depth, but they do need to spread the goals around because Kerr, I say only, but she only got 12 goals in the WSL last season. So they don't want to be totally reliant on her. And and in that regard, it's great to see Frank Kirby make her come back as well. She came on in the second half, first time we've seen her since February. Just to ram home the importance of that Chelsea win and Arsenal defeat other than, you know, lol, losing in front of a record crowd to Liverpool who are not one of the heavy hitters in the WSL by any means. No team has ever won the league after losing more than two games in a season. So they're really up against it now, Arsenal. They've got very little margin for error if that's going to continue. Um, I guess the only slight downer potentially, Liam, is the crowd was just shy of 15,000. They had 55,000 at the Emirates. There's been a lot of talk about ticket prices. I mentioned on the show last week, you could still have got into this game for 12 quid, relatively low. Emma Hayes saying, look, it costs 300 grand to stage a game at Stamford Bridge. So we've got to be practical about how much we're charging here. But the club must have been a bit disappointed that that was a turnout on Sunday. Yeah, I haven't had any feedback from the club about how they felt about the the attendance. I know there was a fair bit of deliberation about the pricing for the women's games in particular and that the ultimate decisions that were made were quite heavily influenced by Emma Hayes and her her public stance on the pricing of women's football. You know, she 
she was very outspoken last year about the need to increase the ticket prices to help the growth of the game, particularly when it comes to these showpiece matches at, at Stanford Bridge. And that's not just because of the costs of putting them on, but I think there's also a sense that the price of the ticket is indicative of the value you're putting on the product, you know. And and I think if you want to grow the value of the women's game, maybe the the pricing has to rise accordingly. But there is also that delicate balance of you're trying to attract people through the door and sometimes you may have to entice them through the door with with lower prices. So it, I think it's one that, that that Chelsea will continue to think long and hard about and maybe maybe the attendance for this game will will have an impact on what they do in the future but I I don't think it's an easy decision one way or the other and I don't and it's unlike the the conversation around the pricing for men's games I don't think this is about really the the club looking to to try and ramp up profits or anything like that I think this is a far more nuanced conversation about where the women's game is and and where they hope it can go. And just a theory, I also wonder whether Chelsea are victims of their own success, that because they have been so dominant in terms of title wins, that there's an air of complacency, you know, that, well, Chelsea's just going to go and win the title again. And perhaps that, that doesn't drive the bums on seats just a theory, but if if you sort of think, well, Chelsea always going to win the competition, it might not lead to you wanting to go see the game quite as much. Whereas Arsenal are a team on the up, and it's a whole buzz, a bit of an excitement. Or can they? I know Arsenal sort of had their periods of success many years ago, but the women's game is is different now in a different place and. It feels like the same buzz that the Arsenal have with the men's team as a team on the up. There's a similar sort of vibe around the women's team too. So it's just a theory. I'm just sort of thinking out loud whether that may be playing a slight part, that there's a sort of a complacency that Chelsea will just go on and win the title again. But they'll need the fans behind them to to help them do that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. The, the next game they're playing at Stamford Bridge is the 19th of November against Liverpool. So maybe we'll, we'll keep an eye on the prices and the marketing around that. It's actually when there's a, an international break in men's football. So that might mean that they, uh, they get a few more going then if the, the men's team aren't playing that weekend. Uh, next up, though, for the women, it's the first big test of the season. They go to Manchester City on Sunday, which is always a really tough game. We'll look ahead to that on our Thursday show. Uh, elsewhere in Chelsea news, the under-21s lost 4-2 at Spurs on Monday night. Ronnie Stutter, yeah! And Santo Boniface got the Blues goals. And the under-18s beat Arsenal 3-2 at Cobham at the weekend. And El McNeely bagged the brace and Atto Amper also notched there. Uh, Simon, we've not pushed nearly hard enough your post-match piece from the Fulham game. So do that for us now before we go, please. Yeah, so I've I've written about Amanda Broya. Obviously, Mudrick would have been tempting, but we, we have written about him recently. But for Bro, you could argue it was an even bigger, bigger moment. The, we, we all remember anyone that's seen the clip of the moment he got injured against Aston Villa in, in December, the horrific cries of agony, the moment it happened. Uh, of course, he, he suffered a serious knee injury. And this was his first start since then. And, and there were different... As I say in the in the intro, there was different cries you could hear and see this time around. It was one of pure jubilation. So yeah, I write about his his is obviously a touch on the fact that 
the hard journeys he's faced to get to this point. The bit about Levi that I, I asked him about, Afroya, but also just saying how significant a moment this is for Pochettino that suddenly the option of Broya it relieves some of the pressure off Jackson's shoulders but also provides him with much needed competition that he knows there's someone who can take his place and that's always a good thing and reflect on the fact that Pochettino did say in August don't forget about Amanda Broya when there was talk about Chelsea signing another striker and and here we are and Everyone's uh, talking about Broya now. So, yeah, it's paying tribute to to, to Broya. It's, it's just the start, though. But again, a bit like Conor Gallagher, you can see that he's very hungry to succeed in the Chelsea shirt. Yeah, he needed that goal for all sorts of reasons. He's not been a frequent goal scorer of late before the injury. I think it was one in 22 in terms of club football. So, yeah, big moment for him. Um, Liam, you must have felt very smug and satisfied after Monday, given the piece that you and Simon collaborated on Chelsea start under Pochettino. No panic yet, despite the lack of goals. And, you know, weren't you just proved 100% accurate? Uh, give that a little push and tell us what else you're going to be working on, please. Yeah, so that was a big read about the first six weeks of Chelsea's Premier League campaign under Pochettino, going beyond the results to the atmosphere around the club and how Pochettino has been dealing with it, how the players have been dealing with it. Uh, so give that a read. That's still up on The Athletic. I'm also running a piece on site on Wednesday about Andre Santos. It's fair to say his loan spell. It's not my fault. It's not my fault, OK? A lot of people are coming for me on this. <laughs> well, I, I have written the piece as if I'm writing directly to you, Matt. <laughs> Some, something of an open letter. Um, <laughs> but no, it's it it's an analysis of this loan spell that has got off to a worryingly slow start from a Chelsea perspective in terms of Santos's minutes. Just trying to put that in context and take a broader look at what might happen if he doesn't play between now and January. Athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to sign up. If you want to read those, it'll only cost you a pound a month for the first 12 months. My theory for what it's worth is that Forrest didn't think that they were going to get both or maybe even either of Ibrahim Sangare and Nico Dominguez and they got Andre Santos as backup and then they ended up getting both those players. And so Santos fell down the pecking order. But, you know, it's a long old season. It can all change pretty quickly. So maybe he'll get some... um, some minutes for the other two-time European champions. We'll have to wait and see. Um, that's going to do us for today. Many thanks to Lucy, to Liam, to Simon and to Levi Colwell for joining us as well. We're going to be doing it all again in just a couple of days from now, looking ahead to Burnley and Manchester City and wondering who's going to be back and assessing injuries and all that kind of stuff. So join us for that if you can. For now, from all of us here, it's goodbye. <music>